Well, in 2018, uh, there was a study that was commissioned by Visit Anaheim, and they pulled 2,000 parents of school-aged children in an attempt to find out the impact of their jam-packed schedules. And of course, what, what they were trying to do was to make a point that you need family time together. You need to come visit Anaheim, have vacation together. And, but the, the, the results were fascinating that they came up with. Here's what they discovered. They discovered that 60% of those who were polled described their life as hectic, and a quarter of them acknowledged that, uh, that family time was, and this is a quote, was a problem for them. Now, what the results of their studies revealed is that family time was a problem for a lot more than 25% of the people. It's just that that's how many were willing to acknowledge it. In fact, here's what they discovered, that during the week, that, that the average family spent 37 minutes of quality time together each day, each weekday. 37 minutes. That's, that's not a lot. On the weekends, it went up to about two hours and 40 minutes, so it did increase some over the weekends. And when they asked what was caused the main difference, the answer was busy work schedules, the time required there, and the busyness of school, extracurricular activities, those kinds of things. And they said because of that, especially during the week, um, they were struggling to be able to find time to spend together. Over the last couple of weeks and even into the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at you know, what if the things that we have gone through recently are actually part of God helping us to reprioritize some things in our lives. And one of the things that has really been on the forefront of my mind a lot lately is, you know, what if families grew stronger as a result of what we've been through over the last several months? Because, you know, some of those barriers, um, some of the, 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 the work schedules, at least the commuting back and forth to work, some of the activities and things that we were previously involved in, some of those things got taken away for a season. And, uh, you know, to, to a different degree, they're starting to come back and, and those kinds of things. And especially at a time when we're starting to uh, move back into a little bit more of what we experienced before. And I know we're not there yet. In fact, I think it's going to be a long time before we're completely there. But this is a great time for us to evaluate, okay, what as, in particular, as families, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, um, a, a great time to say, how do we prioritize family differently? What are some things that we have learned that have come out of this season that may be an eye-opener for us and an opportunity to say, okay, um, maybe we need to make some changes here. Maybe we need to, uh, to, to, to move towards spending more time together. But here's, here's the thing. I, they, I looked on these surveys. I looked at several different sites and tried to dig in. I could not find anybody that defined what quality time means. I mean, they said there's 37 minutes of quality time during each weekday, but I don't know how they define what quality time is. I suspect that what that is is a time where there's interaction, you know, some type of meaningful interaction between parents and kids. That's probably how they define it. But here's my argument, as, as important as that is, by the way, and if that's not happening in your family, I would encourage you to prioritize that. But just spending time together alone is not enough. See, there's, there's got to be something more to say, okay, what is it that really would cause families to, to bond together more closely? I have in my pocket a couple little magnets. I'm not sure how well you can see these, but these are two magnets that are stuck together. And you've got to trust me on this when I say it is 
extremely difficult to get them apart. Okay, they, they do come apart eventually, but here's the thing. When they do come apart, there's such a pull on them that what they want to do is come back together, right? And when they come together, there is, a, there is something that bonds them together, and it's, of course, electrical charges with magnets, and I'm not a science person, so I don't understand all the details of how it works. I'm still fascinated by the way it works. But there is something that pulls them together. Whenever they're, whenever they're apart, they want to come back together. Uh, what a great picture of what a family should be. It's not that you're just you know, together all the time. You do go your separate ways, but then you know, there's something bonding you. There's something pulling you back together, giving you a strong bond so that you stick together as a family. And it's not just quality time, as important as that is. But here's my argument, that, that the very thing we talked about last Sunday when we were talking about what makes us one, what brings us unity. And, and we were in Galatians chapter 3, and it talks about how we are all one in Christ. It's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's our bond in Christ. It's our, our faith in Christ that draws us together just in general as the people of God. But I would say that's even more the case for families. And so as we're talking about how do we create that type of bond as a family, how do we help families grow stronger together, the, the number one thing is if, if we are growing together in our faith, if we are growing together spiritually, uh, and this, by the way, is not just true of the nuclear family, this is true of the broader family within the, the, the family of God, that, that as the people of God, we are called to be part of His family, and we draw closer together as well when we share that common bond in Christ. So today I want us to, to take a little time uh, to talk about that, and we're going to jump into a passage here in a minute. But before we do, let me share a little story with you. I was thinking about this, and anytime I, I think about this passage, some of you have, have heard this story before. You can bear with me, but I know several have not. Uh, but I, I always go back to the days before we had a church building. We met uh, in a daycare for about three years. We met in elementary schools for about another six years after that, seven years. Um, we, we broke ground in 2009. So we're talking 11 years ago that we broke ground on this property and we're preparing to, to build our first place of our own to meet and to worship. And that was a big day. I mean, as you can imagine, nine years, especially the people that were on the setup teardown team, you know, that were taking the stuff out because we were in school. I mean, you had to set everything up every week, tear everything down every week, put it in the box truck, drive it to storage, come back, take it back everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, you can imagine teaching children and things like that, and you don't really have your own space, and, you know, you're taking stuff in and set it. Anyway, all I'd say, it was a big deal. Everybody was excited about groundbreaking. Everybody was excited about having our own facility. And so groundbreaking day was a big day for everyone. But I dare say that, that I was happier on that day than anybody else. And, and partly because I was excited for our people. I was excited about where we were going. But there was another reason that I was excited that day. And this picture might give you a little idea why. Look at that smile there. I actually got to dig a hole with the backhoe, and I was terribly excited about that because I had never done anything like that before, and it was awesome. Now, we couldn't allow everybody to get inside the equipment and to play in the equipment, but what we did do is say, okay, what is something active that we can do that everyone can participate, this kind of hands-on since we can't do that, and what we decided was once it was time to pour the foundation, we would have a special celebration, and we would invite people to come and write on the foundation. 
and write scripture verses on the foundation. In fact, we have another picture of that, I think. And I, I love this one because to me, this just kind of sums up. You know, here we're talking about the importance of pouring into kids. And one of the high priorities as a church for us is, and one of our 10 core values is, that children are a priority to Jesus and they're a priority to us. And that's something that has always been important, always will be important to us as a church family. So I love that picture because here, you know, two young girls, and I love that they're writing scripture because that's a, a huge value for us as well. And we want to instill a love for God's word uh, in our, our young people. Um, so there's one picture. And then there's another picture of another couple of girls and, and a mom there. And some of you may recognize who they are. That beautiful lady there is my wife, Sean. Her hair's a little shorter at that time. It took me a second to think, is that Sean? I'll tell you what the giveaway was. The giveaway's my bow legs standing there behind them. If you notice that, you can kind of tell, you know, we got the bow legs going. That's definitely us. But that's my two daughters that are there riding. And you can tell the older one, Brooke, is looking up at me. And I'm sure you can tell from the look on her face, that is a mischievous smile that I have seen so many times in her life. And it always means she's up to something. Let me tell you what she was up to on that day. She was up to sharing with me her scripture that she wrote on the foundation of our church. And that scripture happens to be our text for this morning. So if you want to open your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians, we are in Ephesians chapter 6 today, and I want to focus just on verse 4, which somewhere on this concrete is written, Ephesians 6, 4, in the hand of 11-year-old Brooke. And this is what it says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, that might very well be the first time that I've read a text for the morning and everybody has laughed. But that's appropriate, an appropriate response there. And she loved that verse. I often tell her she ignored the verses right before it that talk about children obey your parents in the Lord. But, you know, she liked verse 4 a whole lot better. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I, I do want to camp out on that one little verse today. And, and this is a much, normally we have a much longer passage that we look at. But we're just going to camp out on one verse today and talk about what does that look like? What does that mean? And I want to point out to you before we jump into it uh, a little bit further that it is addressed specifically to fathers. Now, let me, let me just make this case. This applies to both mothers and fathers. It applies to all parents, okay? But I do think there is a reason that the Scripture specifically addresses fathers. In fact, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. And the first one is because, generally speaking, as men, we need a little extra push, a little extra encouragement to step forward and lead our families spiritually. Most of the time... Uh, mom is a little bit more in tune and a little bit more willing to take that lead spiritually in the family. And so God needs to come along beside us as men sometimes and say, hey guys, fathers, I'm speaking to you here. I want you to take the lead. I want you to lead your families. And so we need that little extra shove. But I think there's a second reason for that. And the second reason is because of the impact and what happens when men, when fathers do lead out spiritually in their family. It has an incredible impact. And there are a lot of interesting studies out there, a lot of uh, statistics, and I, I find statistics interesting most of the time. And of course, sometimes you can find them to say anything you want them to say. Uh, but, but here's some that, that, that intrigued me a bit. If a mother attends church, but the father does not, one-third of the time their children will end up attending church. If the father attends church and the mother does not, two-thirds 
of the children will end up attending church. Um, if the two of them are involved together, which is obviously the, the highest uh, priority in, in what should be happening, but if they're involved together in a small group, a little, little plug here for being involved in a small group, if mom and dad together are involved in a small group, 72% of the time the children will follow suit. They will end up getting plugged in at that deeper level in the small group themselves. But this is where I, what I found really interesting, too. If the, only the mother attends the group, 15% of the children will end up getting plugged in. If only the father does, 55% will end up getting plugged in. Uh, so there's, there's something about kids seeing that maybe because it's so unique, maybe because it's unusual, and that's part of it. shouldn't be the case. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, but, but this is the one that really blew me away. Uh, studies on what happens to the rest of the household as far as coming to faith in Christ, depending on who in the household comes first. If mom comes to faith, if mom becomes a follower of Jesus as the first one in the family, there's a 17% chance that the entire family will also become followers of Christ. If the dad is the first one in the family to become a follower of Jesus, you want to guess what that percentage is? Percentage is 93%. 93% of the time when dad is the first one to say, um, this is the direction that I'm going to go, the, the family will follow. There's just something about the impact of a father leading out spiritually. And so it's, it's addressed here, but let me hear me on this too. We know the importance of a godly mother and grandmother and whoever else. I mean, who knows how many kids literally have been rescued by a praying mom, right? Who knows how many lives have literally been turned around because of a, the influence of a godly mother. So I'm not devaluing that in any way. It's just saying to us, fathers, I want you to take the lead here. But the best situation is where both mom and dad are on the same page together and they're leading out together spiritually. And so the, the instruction that we get here is fathers do not exasperate your children. Now I refuse to believe that that verse is telling me that I can't mess with my kids. Dads, you with me on this? Okay. Now this is the context that my daughter wanted to use it in. Fathers do not exasperate your children means stop frustrating me, maybe stop messing with me, embarrassing me in public, whatever it may be. But I am convinced that somewhere in the Bible, I just haven't found it yet, it tells us that our God-given responsibility is to mess with and embarrass our children. Dad, you with me on that? It's like, yes, this is, this is our job, right? <laughs> I don't think that's what it means when it says fathers do not exasperate your children. Actually, the context of this does give us some idea of what it means because right after that, when it says do not exasperate them, it says, instead, okay, so this is the flip side. What does it mean not to exasperate them? Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So that's, that's what it means to not exasperate your children. It means give them spiritual direction. I know well-meaning parents whose philosophy is I'm going to let my kids choose whatever path they want to choose. I'm not going to push anything on them. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. To me, that's about the same as, as saying, I'm going to let my four-year-old decide whether they want to play in the middle of the street or not. You know, we'll, we'll let them make up their own decision. As a parent, there are things that, that you are aware of that are good for your kids and are bad for your kids. And part of our responsibility as parents 
is to say, I know that this is what's best for my child, therefore I'm going to do what is best for my child. Now obviously when it comes to spiritual direction and things like that, you can't force your, your kids to, to follow Christ. You can't force them to believe. I mean, we are individuals and they do have the ability to make that choice, but we can certainly lay that, that foundation in place. We can certainly guide them in a certain direction. We can certainly set them up so that they have every opportunity to come to know Christ because I believe that what's best for our kids is, is to know the truth of the gospel. Our kids need to know, uh, first of all, that God loves them, that God has a, a, a plan for them. They also need to know that sin has messed up that plan. They need to know the truth that they, just like us, that all of us are sinful, that all of us fall short of God's glory. And as a result of that, that our sin separates us from God. But then they need to know that God has done something about it. They need to know that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They need to know that Jesus went to the cross as God in human flesh and paid the price for us, that he died in our place, that he shed his blood for our forgiveness. They need to know that. And they need to know that the story doesn't end there. They need to know that, that when Jesus' disciples went to his tomb to check it out and to see what was going on, they found that the stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb, or that had been set in front of the tomb, had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. All that was in it was the shroud that Jesus was wearing when he was buried. Because Jesus is alive. Our kids need to know that Jesus is alive. They need to know that through Christ we can have spiritual life, that we can secure a place in heaven forever. That's a big deal. And so as parents, we are the primary ones, or even as grandparents, we have that opportunity to share that gospel story and to enforce that in different ways. And so it's a huge thing that we do that. That's how we are, that's what we are called to do. So the question then is how do we do it? And what it says in this passage is that we are to bring up our kids. And the way it's translated here, it says training and instruction of the Lord. Yours may say in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are two different things here. The first one is either training or discipline. Both of those, whichever, however you, however you uh, want to translate that, the idea is this is something active. Okay? This is something that's more of a hands-on type thing. If you think about training someone, you're not just telling them what to do. You're giving them the opportunity to hands-on, come along with me, we're going to do this together, I'm going to show you how to do this. Uh, if you're disciplining yourself, that is something active that you are doing. And, and so that's where it starts. So here's another way of saying that, and I have just really two main ideas to share with you today. The first one is this, that parents must model love for Jesus to their children. See, I believe this is the best way for a parent to, to train or to discipline their children in the Lord is to model love for Jesus for their kids. And the reason I say that is because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 and 16. It says, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you have not had many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Okay, so what does this father do? He says, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. And this is not the only place in scripture where he's writing to, the, to his followers saying, I want you to follow my example. I want you to imitate my life. He's not saying, look, I'm perfect in what I'm doing. But what he is saying is that, that one of the ways that you can get to know what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus is by watching my life and by imitating the things that I'm doing. As a parent, that is so essential that we be able to, to say that honestly to our kids, that we, that we can say, look, I, I want you to follow my example. I'm not perfect, and, and we can share how we're not perfect. 
but, but our kids are going to pick up on what's important to us, right? I was thinking back to that uh, as a child for me, what that looked like. Um, and the things that I noticed about my dad as a kid. One of the things I noticed as a very young kid, my dad was a sports guy. He grew up playing sports. He enjoyed watching sports on TV. So there was often a game on or something like that. And as a little kid, it didn't take me long before I just picked up on my dad's love for sports. And I wanted to be involved. I wanted to watch it on TV. I wanted to play him. I wanted to do all those things. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because I, I just saw that that was important to my father. Now, I also saw when he was watching, who he was watching. I saw who he was cheering for. And so this may come as a big surprise to some of you that know me well, but I grew up an avid TCU fan as a kid because that's where mom and dad went to school. Now, I have since repented of that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. TCU's great. I still enjoy, well, sort of, pulling for him sometimes. But I, I'm a Baylor guy, so we, you know, we kind of have that tension now. But, but I grew up a TCU fan, and the reason I did is not because my dad ever sat me down and said, Son... Let me tell you who we pull for in this household. We, we never had that conversation. I just saw that that's what he did. I, he took me to games. We went to football games. We went to basketball games. And, and, and you know, that just kind of fed this whole thing of this is, this is what's important to my father. This kind of just, you just pick up on that, right? Because we pick up on those things, not just that our parents do, but those things that we can tell that they care about. In fact, l- listen to me on this one. Most, in particular, young children start to care about whatever they see their parents caring about. Okay? Let me say that again. Most children, especially young children, begin to care about what they see their parents caring about. Now, the application for us spiritually, I think, is obvious that if we really care about following Jesus, if our priority is we want to love God with all of our hearts, our kids are going to notice that. It's more than just what we do. I mean, it's important to do the right things. It's important to you know, attend church together. It's important to be involved in the small groups we talked about. It's important to give. It's important to serve. It's important to, to do the externals. But it's got to be more than that because you can do all those externals and your heart not really be in it. But when the kids know, okay, this is, this is what really, really matters and what's really important to my parents, um, the likelihood of that um, catching on with them is, is pretty high. So in this passage, Paul says to his spiritual children, I want you to follow my example. I I want to model for you what it looks like to live out your faith. And so I see this as a great opportunity, especially lately, because most people over the last several months have spent more time together. Most families with children have spent more time together than they have in any other time as a family. You know, especially when they're home from school. Some still are home from school. A lot of parents are working from home. I mean, you know, a lot of the activities that were previously would take, take us away, the, some of those things aren't happening. And so families are spending more time together. So I look at this and say, what an opportunity for our kids to, to spend even more time with us and to pick up on what really matters and what's really important to us. And what an opportunity for us then to say, now that I have uh, the, the, the opportunity here, this is a good chance for me to be able to multiply my influence in the life of my kids. You know, it's not, I mentioned a moment ago that um, especially little kids pick up on and, and, and tend to care about what their parents care about. Here's a little secret. It's not just little kids 
who are influenced by what they see in their parents. I was speaking with a, a good friend of mine this week. His mother just passed away recently, and um, we were kind of talking through plans for a, a service and those kinds of things. They're sharing stories, and he shared a story with me. Um, when he was, I think, in his late 30s, his mom would have been probably in her early 60s or so, mid, or actually, I think she was in her mid-60s at the time. Uh, my friend's house flooded, and his mom lived uh, here in the same area, and so he moved out of his home temporarily while it was being fixed, and he lived with his mom. And here he is, you know, close to 40 years old. And, and he was sharing with me what an impact it had seeing his mom every day in her devotion to prayer. And having known that, but even as an adult, just sitting down and watching his mom, that influence was significant in his life. You see, I, I don't believe that we ever lose the opportunity with our grown children, with our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whatever it may be, I don't think we ever lose that opportunity uh, to, to, to demonstrate what we really care about. And, and when they see love for God in us, then that is going to encourage the same thing in them. So one thing it says that we are to do is to bring them up in the discipline or the training of the Lord. But the second part of that is true, too. You see, I believe that it's a true statement to say that more is caught than taught spiritually. However, it's important for us to teach as well, because that's the second part, training and instruction. So here's number two is that parents must instruct their children about Jesus. There is an instruction element that is important to us and important for them. Now here's the deal on that. It's just like what we said before. Kids pick up on, on, on who we are and what is in us, right? You can't pass along a passion to your children that you don't really have. You can try to fake it for a little while, but your kids, you know, they're going to be around you enough to figure it out. They're going to see through it. And the same thing is true when it comes to our knowledge of Christ. You can't pass on to your kids what you don't have. I mean, I know that goes without saying it. It seems kind of simple. But if we are going to instruct our kids in the Lord, then we need to know our stuff ourselves. We need to be growing in our own faith. Now, now the, the best encouragement I can give you is to spend time just getting to know God's Word, getting to know God personally, but through his word, that, that is absolutely the most impactful thing you can do for yourself, but eventually even for your kids. Because if they see that you have a love for God's word, if they see that, that you want to learn it and you value it and that you turn to God's word for answers, likelihood is that they're going to do the same thing. So, so we need to be digging in ourselves. Now here's coming back to our, 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 our schedules and how things are recently. I suspect a lot of you have more time on your hands right now as a result of maybe working from home than you did before. Uh, maybe you were commuting before and that commute has gotten knocked out. If you're working from home, you probably, uh, you know, lunch breaks or other things like that. You may not be meeting with people and doing those things as much. What a great opportunity to use that time. I mean, think about the impact it would have if you use that time that you would normally be commuting or whatever or, or at lunch to just get into God's Word. What if you started every day by just spending time in the Word and spending time praying and spending time getting to know God on a, on a personal level? What if you grew deeper in your own faith? Well, one thing that would happen is that, that it, would, it would actually uh, bleed over into, into our kids. You can't share with your kids what you don't know, knowledge that you don't have yourself. As a parent of two girls that are both college students now, I can thankfully say that the most frightening part of parenting is now behind me. 
The most frightening part of parenting for me was teaching my girls to drive. Absolutely horrifying experience. Because you are putting your life in the hands of someone that has absolutely no idea what she's doing. At least at first, right? Now, both my girls really are great drivers now. We've had no issues with them. They're wonderful. But what we did, kind of the, the, the parent-taught thing, I was the designated parent that would do that. I would ride with them. And sometimes their mom would, and she would always close her eyes and try to, you know, stomp that imaginary brake in the car. Some of you have done that, too. It is a horrifying experience. But I was thinking about that. I thought, how absurd would it have been if we would have, when our oldest daughter you know, turns 15 and she's learning, if we would have told the youngest daughter, who's 12 at the time, why don't you teach your sister how to drive? If you're going to teach someone, you need to have some level of understanding. Now, the 12-year-old might have been happy to do that at that time, but it wouldn't have gone very well. If we're going to instruct our kids, we got to have some knowledge. we got to know a little bit of what we're talking about. And so um, that's where, number one, Digging in on your own is so valuable. But then the second thing is that's where biblical community comes into place because as we grow together, as we get involved, and that's why going back to the small group thing, that's why that's so important. You develop relationships with one another. Uh, you're, you're, you're able to, to depend on each other. By the way, we had, I got a text, this, I didn't see it actually till about 6 this morning. The text came through about 4 o'clock this morning from somebody in my small group saying, hey, I'm just having a hard time. Can you pray for me? And I love that. I love that level of community where in the middle of the night when you're having a tough day that you have somebody you can reach out to, you know, and, and the whole group, this is a group text, just saying what everybody, and then to start seeing those responses coming back. That goes a long way. And so when we can lean on other people and have that community, by the way, here's another little side benefit when we have that biblical community and how it impacts our ability to lead our children. When you are developing relationships with other believers who are growing in their faith, that likelihood is that your kids are also starting to develop relationships with those people, right? Because they're in your home, you're in their home, you're spending time together, you're doing life together, you're growing together. One of the greatest things that has come out of that for us is seeing the number of adults that our kids will turn to for encouragement and for support. And sometimes they'll reach out to them even before they'll reach out to us. And I don't feel threatened by that. I look at that as an opportunity to multiply, double or triple or quadruple our influence because I know that, that our friends are going to give them the same type of encouragement and advice that we would. And so it's like they're hearing it from multiple places now, which is a wonderful thing. It is a great gift that you can give to your kids to have other believers in their life that they can turn to, that they've developed a relationship with, and, and that will pour into them as well. So training and instruction in the Lord is what we are called to do. So, so I want to leave you with this. Here's the goal today. I want you to leave encouraged. And, and some of you, as grandparents or as parents, you should be encouraged because you're doing an amazing job. You are pouring into your kids. You are teaching your kids. You are modeling faith for your kids. And you're doing great. And, and I want you to be encouraged by that. But you know, some, you'd be the first one to admit, I'm not doing so great when it comes to leading my kids spiritually. And I want you to be encouraged as well. Not encouraged that you're not doing what you should be doing to lead your kids, but encouraged by this, to know that it's never too late to make the decision to change that. It's never too late to say, you know what, I'm gonna make it a priority, first and foremost, to pursue Jesus myself, because I can't pass on to my kids what I don't have. 
but I'm going to make it a priority to say this is the direction that I'm going to go. And I assure you that especially if that hasn't been the case in the past and you really get serious about following Christ, your kids are going to notice that. They're going to be impacted by that. And it's going to open the opportunity. So be encouraged by this to know that it's never too late, but it starts with us getting things right. It starts with us saying, I'm going to prioritize my relationship with Jesus above everything else. And maybe for some today, that's your response. That's your decision today is to say, I really need to get things right in my own life so that I have something to pass on to my kids. Let's pray together. Lord, I do pray for those today um, that, that frankly just need to take that step of uh, really pursuing you with all their heart. Lord, they probably have a desire to lead their kids and maybe aren't sure where to start or what to do. But Lord, I pray that it does start just simply with a deep love for you and a desire, Lord, to, um, to follow you personally. Lord, would you give the courage to take that step, whatever that looks like today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.